mystery tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. Hello, you spectacular people. Welcome to this 57th episode of the History Goes Bump podcast. Ghost tours for the theater of the mind. I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. And today's show, we are featuring Queens Park in Toronto, Canada. So we're going north, Denise. Should we start saying A? That would be right up your alley, Diane. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe I should have said we're going to be talking about Queens Park. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, what did I just start? <laughs> But before we get into that, we do want to point you towards our historygoesbump.com website. It's got everything you could possibly want to know about the show, where to find us on social media. Our archives are all up there. And I do want to point out, mentioning the archives, iTunes seems to have a glitch in it for some reason. And I don't know why it's taking them so long to get it taken care of. But if you are subscribed to the show, you haven't noticed any difference. If you're not subscribed to the show, you've probably seen, oh, there's only 20 episodes here. Well, when you go to any of the shows that you check out on iTunes, all of us have only 20 shows that are showing. It's some glitch going on at iTunes. So if you want to get some of our past shows and... I'm thinking if you subscribe, it should load everything up and you should be fine. But if that does not work, our archives are all at the website. So you just click on the archive button and you'll be able to find it there. Also, if you want to shop in our Emporium, we do get a little kickback from anything you get there. Get your History Goes Bump tea and such. And you can also sign up for the newsletter there and donate to the show if you'd like to help us to cover some of the overhead. We are a completely listener-supported show. So we want to keep all those ads and other things out of this. So all you get is us. Absolutely no ads. And speaking of the Emporium, we do have a contest that is going to be ending tomorrow, which would be July 20th. 2015. So we will be drawing somebody's name after midnight and we won't be up. So it'll be on the 21st that we're drawing names. <laughs> but you have until midnight. And what should we say? Because we got listeners across the world. Eastern time US. Okay. So Eastern time US midnight is when the deadline is up. And all you have to do to get entered in is either send your name to us via email, join the Spooktacular group over at Facebook or sign up for the newsletter. If you do all three, you get three names in the drawing. And Diane, what is the lucky person going to win? Well, since I mentioned a t-shirt, obviously, a t-shirt yes, that has a History Ghost Bump logo on it in your choice of color and size. And since Denise likes to toot my horn, my, <laughs> an autographed copy of my recent release, The Shattering, which is a young adult fiction novel set in a dystopian world and steampunk. And for those of you who might want to know a little bit more about the book in depth, I did give an interview on the Rightstream Radio Network last week week. And let's see if you are my friend on Facebook, I posted it everywhere. So my advice would be, uh, I guess the, the best thing would be to go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash right stream. And that's W R I T E 
S-T-R-E-A-M. And it would be on the Love, Liberty, and Lip Gloss show, which was on the 16th of July. So that's where you can find that if you'd like to hear my interview there. And I detail a little bit more about the book and some of the specifics about it and give a little information about what's coming in book two that I've been working on. Denise, if anybody wants to get a hold of us to maybe send their name to us or to give us any feedback on the show, where can they do that? They can do that at historygoesbump at gmail.com. And we did hear from our friend, Belle. Thanks so much for updating us about what's going on in your life. I had written back to Belle and let her know we were just wondering about you. We Since we hadn't heard anything from you in a while, she's doing great. Yeah. And I also heard from Tanya because I finally got the cards <laughs> and the stickers out to her. So After that she you can... freaked Tanya out. Tanya's <laughs> like, oh my God, they were lost in the mail. Yeah. Poor Tanya thought, oh, I've sent them right out because apparently... Most people are Johnny on the spot. I'm not. And so she thought that one of her neighbors maybe had taken off with something. And so I said, no, 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 I'm getting those out to you. So I finally got that out to her. So she had written us back. And just thank you for all of your nice comments, uh, Tanya, in that email. And I don't share a lot. of. I know a lot of shows do listener feedback and read the emails. And if I feel like it's something that would be pertinent that for people to listen to, I would share those, but I like to respect people's privacy too. So sometimes I don't always share that stuff. Oh, we don't open up our private mail. Oh, look, I got a birthday card. I'm going to read it to you. So that is kind of their private comments to us. Well, that's good. So if I send you any private letters, you're not going to be reading them over air. Well, except for that one. (laughs) Now I'll have her stressing about that for a while. We do want to welcome a new member to the Spooktacular crew. Kathleen has joined us. Hey, Kathleen. Welcome. And Denise, I've been begging for reviews and people have been heeding it. We got four five-star reviews this last week. Awesome. Thank you for the reviews. It's always nice to know what we're doing right and what you'd like to see change. So thank you for taking the time to review us. So we got one from Ted from Texas. The hosts are fun, and this is an approachable show. It's not pretentious or full of angry skeptics. Maybe we should get a little bit more angry about it. Those darn ghosts. I'm going to call them out. (laughs) (laughs) The show's well-produced, and the hosts make great suggestions for new podcasts. Try it out. Betsy J121 has said, I love the integration of history with the parent normal. The combination brings the stories to life and always leaves me wanting more. Diane and Denise are engaging and entertaining with a healthy dose of always needed humor. I'm a fan. Thanks so much, Betsy. We greatly appreciate that. Yes, we do. Marcola777. Those are lucky numbers right yes, there. Yes, they are. I stumbled across this podcast when these ladies first started out and I've been hooked ever since. I should have given this show a five-star review a long time ago. Better late than never. I'm very skeptical and this is the only paranormal podcast I listen to. The hosts mix the right amount of history, ghost stories, and their own brand of banner to make the show enjoyable and easy to listen to. There's no hidden agenda. Oh, darn, it hasn't come through yet. We haven't done the brainwashing properly. Look into my eyes. Oh, you can't. You're on radio. (laughs) (laughs) That's why it's not working, because I can't look into my eyes. Dang dang it. That's why it's not working, of course. (laughs) They're not trying to sell you anything. They just seem to be having a good time, and that is hard to find these days. Keep up the good work, ladies. I wish you luck for the future. Thanks so much for that, Marcola. And finally, we have the former Miss R. How mysterious. I know that's very intriguing. It's like there's got to be a story there. There is a story there. I know it. I'm a middle school English teacher who stumbled upon this podcast while completely redoing my bathroom during summer break. That does not sound like fun. I don't even like painting, much less redoing a bathroom. I have a hard time organizing my desk, so it definitely doesn't sound fun. Forget the bathroom. These ladies' fascinating stories have kept me sane during these crazy renovations. The stories these lovely ladies tell are well-researched and have me binge listening to all the archived episodes. Podcast has inspired me to rewrite my usual curriculum for the month of October. 
So we're going to have classrooms that go bump. <laughs> oh my gosh, I could just see a curriculum program we should be starting right now. October <laughs> is bump month. Although, bump month. you know, the way they go in school these days, that might not go well. <laughs> I'll be like, what's bumping? <laughs> is that like twerking? <laughs> October twerking month. Great. Okay, don't start. That. Now I have visuals of ghosts doing strange things, and th- we've gone from a PG show to who knows what. Only you, Diane. <laughs> I cannot wait to get back to work in August to start dispensing some of my newfound knowledge to my students. Keep it up, ladies. You're saving my sanity. Well, that is just amazing, amazing to hear that, yeah. and that we've inspired a teacher to change up some of her curriculum in October. And I think it makes history that much more interesting. If you would like to support the show, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash history goes bump. Or perhaps you just want to make a one-time donation. Click the donate button on our website at historygoesbump.com. Janus cats are felines born with two faces. In general, these cats have two noses and two mouths, and it is those two mouths that make it very difficult for the cat to survive. Most Janus cats live only a few days after birth. A Janus cat named Frank and Louie broke all records when he lived to be 15 years old. The cat had two noses, two mouths, and three eyes. One of the factors that helped him survive was that one of his two mouths was non-functioning and had no esophagus connecting the mouth to the stomach. The dangers of choking were greatly reduced because of this. The culprit that took the life of Frank and Louie last December was cancer. The fact that Frank and Louie was given only three days to live when he was born, and that he managed to make it to 15 years with the love of an owner, is not only heartwarming, but a tad odd because, after all, Frank and Louie did have two faces. up tight. That chill you feel isn't the air conditioning. <laughs> this day in history. On this day, July 19th in 1692, five women were hung in Salem following their trials accusing them of witchcraft. The Salem Witch Trials are infamous in American history. Perspective has revealed that mass hysteria and false accusations can lead humans to do very bad things. It was January of 1692, after two girls fell mysteriously ill, that the Salem Witchcraft panic began. The area was ripe for mass hysteria. Fear of the devil was pounded into the people, and they had just witnessed the outbreak of smallpox epidemic. Toss in extra fear due to raids by Native Americans, and this was a pot ready to boil over. The sick girls claimed to be a part of an occult ritual with a slave woman named Tituba. Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne were also accused of taking part. Tituba admitted to being a witch and backed up the claims made against the two Sarahs. She also accused two other women. Young girls began to exhibit odd behavior. By May, over 150 men and women were in jail for witchcraft. On July 19th, Sarah Wilds, Rebecca Nurse, 
Susanna Martin, Elizabeth Howe, and Sarah Good were all hung on Gallows Hill. The mass hysteria continued, finally ending in the fall. When all was said and done, 20 more than likely innocent people had been put to death and four others had died in prison. Park in Toronto is a beautiful, picturesque park that was part of an early park movement in Canada. Within its borders, it holds the magnificent legislative building. The park is encircled by a city that grew up around it and enjoyed by many. Some of those that enjoy the park are doing so in the afterlife. There are at least five spirits that have been encountered at the legislative building. There was another building here before the government structure, an asylum. Do ghosts of the past haunt the marble hallways of this place? Come with us as we explore the history and the hauntings of Queen's Park. And this name is French, so I know I'm going to butcher it. Etienne Brule was a young man with a deep desire to live among indigenous people. This dream led him to become an explorer, and around 1610, he landed upon the shores of Lake Ontario in an area that would become known later as Toronto. Brule served as interpreter and guide for Samuel de Champlain. As an aside, Brule would later betray his native France, helping the English capture Quebec City. This same kind of behavior against the Huron people, with whom he lived later, would lead the Huron to stab and dismember him, and then, Denise, they ate him. Ew. Now, I don't know a lot about the Huron, but I do remember from the movie The Last of the Mohicans, it was the Huron people that had kidnapped the ladies that were in that that uh, Daniel Day-Lewis was trying to save. And it looks like they have a tendency towards the French flavor in their palate. (laughs) Well, I remember in it, he cut the heart out of somebody and was eating it. So I was like, okay. So apparently they had uh, considered humans to be a bit of a delicacy. Especially, I mean, French food is good. (laughs) Except for those snails. In 1750, Fort Roulet was established in the area. And in 1787, the Toronto Purchase happened. This purchase was basically the Massaguas tribe giving up the land to the British crown. In 1793, the town of York was established, and that name was kept until 1834, when the city of Toronto was incorporated. King Edward VII officially opened Queen's Park in Toronto during a tour he was taking there in 1860. The park was landscaped with white pines, elm, oak, and maples that lined sweeping drives. The park was bordered by Tattle Creek Ravine and McCall's Pond. Two gated entrances were placed at the north and west ends of the park. The park was named in honor of Queen Victoria. Queen's Park has become a figure of speech for the Ontario government because in 1893, the legislative building was built on the grounds of Queen's Park. It was designed by Richard A. Waite, and the architecture is Richardsonian Romanesque in style that incorporates arches, columns, and intricate stonework. The building has five stories and was constructed from Ontario sandstone that gives the structure a pinkish hue. 
Residents call it the Pink Palace. The exterior was decorated with gargoyles, frises, and grotesques, Mm -hmm. which are shapes or forms that are distorted, unpleasant, and ugly. And I believe one of those grotesques is supposed to symbolize Queen Victoria. And basically, to describe what they look like for people who don't know is, I'm sure you've seen some of those stone reliefs where it looks like maybe a lion's head that's sort of human in shape, and then the mouth is open wide and the tongue is sticking out in kind of a weird way, and it looks like it's making a nasty face, or those are what they're basically calling grotesques. Mm -hmm. And it's what's interesting is the word grotesque actually derives from the Italian word for grotto, which is a cave. So I don't know if they've used that because you're carved into something. So it's kind of like an inside a grotto. And then grotesque came from that. And basically, because it's things that are weird and ugly that that's where you get grotesque from. Yeah, I'm thinking we should look up the history. I just wonder, because very much I'm, I had the opportunity to see Notre Dame, and this sounds very French to me, or even if you've seen The Hunchback, the Disney movie, mm-hmm. is that the gargoyles and stuff, to me, it's just kind of a weird thing to put on the outside as decorative. You know what I mean? Especially in the 1800s. The legislative building was built in 1893, so you wouldn't be looking back at a group of superstitious people who had gargoyles to protect or it does make you wonder why they thought I love them so I'm glad they yeah. did it but what occurred to people to put these weird looking ferocious things on yeah and and it's very popular I you mean, know so I wonder they're probably here because of the French influence because in France they're all over the place I wonder if there are gargoyles that are haunted maybe we'll have to do a show on the history and hauntings of gargoyles that would be cool. I'll have to look into that. We'll, we'll see what that's all about. Also, this word frisés that's in here, we actually used that term when we were talking about the Myrtle's Plantation on our last mm-hmm. episode with Patrick Keller. And that had to do with the way that the, the columns are made and the crown molding and stuff. So it's however the carving is done on mm-hmm. the outside of the building, that's where that comes from. And speaking of which, we did get a comment over at the History Ghost Bump fan page. And a woman said that she had grown up in a home that had the same kind of plaster with horse hair in it. And she said that was kind of a common thing. So it was new to us, but it was definitely something that was done. And even in regular homes. Well, that's what's been so fun about this show, just the amount of things that I learn as we research and try, because these aren't all places that we've gone to. It's our listeners say, oh, hey, what about this? So we may know nothing and we research it. Well, mainly Diane researches it. I'm trying to get better at, at being the researchist. And then we learn all these really cool things that we wouldn't have known otherwise. So it's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. The interior of the legislative building has a grand staircase with a central hallway running from the entrance. At the top of the stairs is the lobby for the legislative chamber. Wide corridors break off from the central hub running east and west. And those corridors are each bisected by an atrium lined with ornate railings. The West Wing is decorated in the Edwardian neoclassic style with white marble, and the East Wing is Victorian in style with dark paneling. The Pink Palace took the place of six other buildings that had been used for the running of the government. In 1909, it was decided that expansion was needed and a North Wing was added. During that construction, workers needed to make repairs to the roof of the West Wings. Beneath the roof were stacks of books and records that made up the reference library. These records were being prepared to move to a fireproof area being built in the North Wing. The West Wing had proved to be ill-suited for preserving documents as it was heated with steam and sunlight crept in everywhere. Unfortunately, what the Toronto Daily Star dubbed a, quote, scene of ruin and desolation, end quote, occurred. 
Fire broke out in the west wing, and the wood paneling and papers quickly went up in smoke. The upper floor was destroyed along with all the documents. So kind of sad. The irony was they were building a fireproof area for that stuff, and boom, it was gone before they got it done. And of course, as we've discussed in prior podcasts, I don't know how fireproof you can make something unless it's contained in metal, but... In 1937, the northwest corner of the building became the Vice Regal Apartment for the Lieutenant Governor of Ontario. It is three stories and has a reception room, dining room, and offices. The music room is where swearing-in ceremonies are conducted. A little fun fact is that the legislative building is featured on the front and back of Russia's 1981 album, Moving Pictures. Oh, very cool. I liked Rush a lot. I still do, but... I'm sure you did. Yep. My time. My era. (laughs) There are several spirits that have been seen in the building, ranging from women who are most likely asylum patients to war heroes. The number of ghosts, at least five, makes this building one of the most haunted places in Ontario. The Grand Staircase is one of the main places where full-body apparitions have been witnessed floating. Beneath the buildings are the vaults. Not many people know about them, and few have ever been in them. It is believed that race inhabit this part of the structure. And when they talk about the wraith, I don't know if they're specifically mentioning these women who are haunting the place that were former patients, because they're, as we're going to find out, they're seen in different parts of the building, or if these are legitimately something that you would call a wraith, which would be not a ghost. It's its own kind of entity. I kind of liken wraiths more towards something that's demonic. They're definitely a dark energy. Don't know exactly where that dark energy comes from, if it's a fallen angel thing, a demonic thing, or some other bad whatever energy. The sergeant at arms has a desk in the chamber where laws are debated and passed. It is next to this desk that a soldier has been felt and seen standing. Could this be Captain Charles Rutherford, who was a World War I hero and served as the sergeant of arms from 1934 to 1940? Rutherford had joined the 5th Canadian Mounted Rifles, and he was wounded in battle. After he recovered, he found himself back in northern France, and one day he was separated from his team. He happened upon a group of Germans, and he should have been a dead man. Rutherford was a quick thinker and a good bluffer. He told the Germans to surrender immediately, because they were surrounded on all sides by Canadians. The Germans believed him, because what fool would try such a thing? They surrendered, and Rutherford was awarded the Victoria Cross for bravery. He died in 1989. Has he come back to a building he once loved? Several psychics claim that a ghost claiming to be named Charles is there. Isn't that an interesting? I, I, I don't know that I would have had the guts to do that. But this reminds me, I believe it was the Baron Hill Tavern that we talked about. And I think that that was a tactic that they'd use there as well, that they tried to pretend like they were bigger than they were by spreading out and mm-hmm. firing off shots miscellaneously and making the uh, British believe that there was more Americans out there than really was there. Bluffing mm-hmm. apparently works. Yes, it did back then. So, And then I think he went on to be a famous poker player. <laughs> no, that that's not research or history. That's just me again. Before he probably would have done good at it. I know, good bluffer. Oh my gosh, that would take because it ju- you would just be so like, uh, oh, oh my gosh, I'm dead, you know, and and just the the adrenaline to be able to pull that off is pretty well. And I don't know how large the group of Germans was, but you think, okay, they lay down their arms, but it's still just one of you. Would they not notice that? Okay, well, nobody's joining him or as he's picking up all the guns? I I don't know how he did it, but amazing. There is a ghost of a man with a red beard who once served as speaker before he found a better offer as minister of crowned lands. His name was Richard Scott, and he has been seen around the speaker's apartment in the building. 
A medium said that there's a strong feeling of service coming from the spirit. A former lieutenant governor still seems to be in the building. In 2006, an aide to the current lieutenant governor at the time witnessed a man leaving the vice regal washroom. The man went into the music room, and when the aide followed because he did not recognize the man, he was nowhere to be seen. Sometime later, a janitor was cleaning in the area and saw a man in a swallowtail suit near the washroom. He reported the man in broken English, and when he was asked to identify the man, he pointed to the portrait of a former lieutenant governor. So what they're trying to say by the fact that he wasn't very learned in English is that somebody couldn't have coached him into this. Mm. No one will reveal which portrait it was that he pointed to. Inside the vice regal apartment, a man in red has been seen. There's a soldier seen near the stairs that wears red, so some speculate that these spirits are one and the same. Some of the lieutenant governors are wearing red uniforms in their portraits. So, so now we've limited it down to maybe them. Yeah. I wonder why they won't say that's kind of weird. You know, it's amazing that they let people know that there's even anything going on here. So I think that's already pushing it, mm-hmm. much less to try to suggest which one it might be. Oh, gotcha. There are three female ghosts here as well. It is believed that they are former patients of the asylum that once stood on the grounds. The asylum was named the University Hospital for the Insane and then the Auxiliary Female Asylum. It is important to note that the asylum had been built from limestone and much of that stone was used to lay the foundation of the Pink Palace. One of the women had hung herself in the basement. Her apparition is seen hanging from a hook in the basement. Another of the women named the Maiden has a checked dress that she wears in an unusual way. It is usually thrown over her head. The third woman has stark white long hair. One of these women is usually seen in the fourth floor attic and she is angry. She gives off a malevolent feel and is vengeful. There are also reports of a woman in white, of course, we always have to have our woman in white, named the white lady being seen on the third floor and she is heard wailing and moaning. This could be the woman with the long white hair. Members from the searcher group were given access to the building, and two of their medians claimed that a spirit couple was dancing in the hallway in 1800s ballroom attire. As to who these people could be, no one knows. The group also captured an EVP of a woman humming and another of a man saying, hello. The smell of booze and smoke was detected by members of the group in various areas of the building. Now, Denise's is a legislative building, so booze and smoke, I'm not surprised. I don't know that that's ghostly. <laughs> dancing and... <laughs> Actually, we've seen dancing full-body apparitions. I don't think the Haunted Mansion counts. But as Sam, one of our members of the Spectacular crew pointed out, it is one of the most haunted locations on the planet. There are 999 ghosts in that place. I don't think any other place has that many. I know. That's a lot of ghosts. And did you you post the picture of us on the Spectacular page in front of that, or was it another page? I believe I did on the Spectacular crew page. I think I posted a picture of us in our wedding attire in front of the Haunted Mansion. For our There's No Turning Back Now ceremony. Exactly. Is Diane like to of course, back on uh, behind me here on the wall of my office, I've I've removed the eagle picture that I had there for another picture that I got for my anniversary. See, Denise and I, of course, bought 20th anniversary gifts for each other. And so she wanted a Pandora bracelet and she got a little charm and it's Disney that, specific. That I wanted Diane to pick out to signify the day because I want each charm to mean something that I get on my Pandora bracelet. So it's a little Mickey and Minnie kissing each other and it says, believe in magic on the back. And it's beautiful and wonderful and, and a wonderful anniversary gift. So then she asked what I wanted. 
<laughs> and she wanted a wooden sign with Madame Leota from the Haunted Mansion on it that says, From Regions Beyond, materializing the disembodied. So that is your ghost host. And it, it's got Madame Leota's face on it. So she's watching over our shoulder as we record all the time now. Ay, ay, ay. So when people look at me about like, why did you get her that for the anniversary? You get the one you love, what they want. <laughs> but anyway, if you get to go to the Haunted Mansion, there are full body apparitions dancing in old attire. Just saying. That's true. And it is Victorian era looking. And there's a hidden Mickey in that room. Anyway, moving on. Could the beautiful building in Queens Park hold more than just legislative meetings? Could the angry and lonely souls from the asylum create an error of the supernatural because of emotions left behind? Did some of the patients decide to stay? Are those who served the parliament in the past still feeling duty-bound to stay and continue their work? Is Queen's Park haunted? That is for you to decide. And it's a beautiful building. Oh, gorgeous. Wonderful building. And it's weird because you people will tell you that Queen's Park is haunted. So I initially had assumed that it was the park that was haunted. Because when we talk about Cheeseman Park in Colorado, mm. it's the park that's haunted. Right. But I think mainly it's the building that's in Queen's Park. And they call it Queen's Park is what the, the name of the building has basically become. But it's that whole area there. Of course, the, sort of like, because even though Cheeseman Park in Denver is haunted, there is the Changeling House. That's true. And I'm sure a lot of the buildings around there, a lot of the houses mm-hmm. around there probably are haunted. It's pretty well, rampant. it's cold in Colorado, so the spooks want to go inside. Well, that's true. That's true. I hadn't thought about that. Although I think when you're dead, you don't feel anything. Well, we wouldn't know for sure, though, right? Do you want to find out? No. <laughs> I came close enough last month when that guy ran me over. Yeah, that was close enough. Thank goodness. All right, on our next show, we're going to go down to Texas. So we're going to go from the north to the south. How's your Texas accent, Diane? Get along, little doggies. It's <laughs> more like her, her, her cowpoke. I'm going to go get me a horse. We're going to bring my friend Patsy to here, and she will teach you about Texas accent. There, your Texas accent obviously is better than mine. We're going to look at the Baker Hotel, which is apparently quite haunted. Is it the most haunted, though? I don't believe I read that anywhere, <laughs> so I don't think it's the most haunted. Just pretty darn close. Okay. They haven't figured out how much more money it would make them if they were the most haunted place in Texas. Once they do, it'll probably get dubbed that. (laughs) It's just so cute because I don't know if they've realized that almost every haunted place is dubs themselves as the most. And we also have been invited by Patrick Keller of the Big Seance podcast to join him on his show. We haven't set a date yet. I have a feeling it's going to be in August because we've just been crazy. My folks are moving here from Colorado and we're getting ready to go to Boston at the end of the month, which be sure to be paying attention to that because we're going to be doing the Periscope thing. So if you have not already, you need to start a Twitter account and then you need to get the Periscope app for your iPhone or your Android phone. And again, this is for people that are listening in 2015. That is correct. Yeah, if you're listening to archives, we'll have already been to Boston and back home. But but I'm very, very excited about this trip. Lots of history, lots of hauntings, lots of whales. It's got everything. And we are planning to bring definitely one show, maybe two during that week to you guys. So kind of depending upon how things go, I think we're going to have better luck with Wi-Fi because we're actually going to be staying in hotels rather than the camper because <laughs> campgrounds didn't prove to be very reliable but when I, it came to Wi-Fi. I do want to make a shout out to Starbucks. Thank you so much for free Wi-Fi and amazing coffee because you <laughs> saved our butts on our last show. Denise loves coffee so much. I'm sure she rigged it so that the campgrounds Wi-Fi 
would never hit my computer. So we'd have to go to Starbucks so I could upload stuff. <laughs> the only vacation where Diane was like, we need to find a Starbucks. I know. I was okay. desperate for Starbucks. Twist my arm. Oh, we have to go to Starbucks <laughs> again? Darn it. <laughs> like, get your coffee and go sit over there and be good. <laughs> I usually hung out with the dogs and did patterns. So anyway, make sure you get the Periscope app. One of the things about it is once you, you watch it live, but if you can't be there live, the video will still be there, I believe, for 24 hours. After that, it's gone. So you do want to, once we've gone on to Periscope, make sure that you check it out if you can't do it right then later on. And I think we might run a test before we go just to make sure everything's working. And we'll do a little behind the scenes, maybe a Q&A. Oh, that'd be fun. So we'll get that set up and let you guys know about it. Um, what I'll do is, this is why you need to join the newsletter so that I can email people who aren't on Facebook because that's where we do a lot of our communicating. But I'll put it out on Twitter and Facebook and in the, the email and let everybody know when we're getting ready to do one of those. Should be It'll be this next week because then we're gone. So. I'll be on Diane's Twitter because I don't know all that social media stuff. Thank goodness we have her. Well, you, you your history goes bump too. Yeah. So I, it has my name there because you have to put a name with it, but. Yeah, so I'll be, I'll be signed in with History Goes Bump. All right. Well, thank you for joining us for this one. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Denise. You take care now. Bye-bye. Have a spooky experience that occurred at an historic location? Want to give us feedback or have a suggestion for the show? Share it with us at historygoesbump at gmail.com.